All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Elul. Shindin Avram Kelman for dedicating all the Sherman Rushals this month in honor of Yechil's engagement to Alana Falik and in memory of their parents, Jerome and Bernice Kelman and Alexander and Frederica David. We, we thank Barak, Maya, Sandy Hoffman, Dora Limas, and Avi Malamed for dedicating all the Sherman Rushals this month in memory of Ruven Ben Emanuel. Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month. In this was several Foshlima for Shulamis Bas Susha, and Dafyomi Shir for dedicating the Shurim this month. In this was several Foshlima for Yehuda Ben Michal. And with that, let us begin. We thank all of our sponsors for their incredible generosity. We have a lot to do today. Baruch Hashem, today's Daf is Samech Ches 69. We left off on Samech Ches Amad Days 68b, right across from Tosvos Vaha. So pretty much right, right in the center of the daf. So if you remember again, we ended off yesterday with a very interesting machlokis. We had a b'risa. The b'risa recorded a machlokis in Rebbe and Rebbe Shimon ben Elazar. Namely, again, at what point in time does a girl, or does a woman, lose her rights in mizonos and in dowry? So Rebbe said that halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa, Ultimately, again, when a girl becomes a bulgaris, or when she gets married, she loses her mizonos. But ultimately, again, she never loses her entitlement to dowry. Rabbi Shimon Elazar, however, holds that halacha lemaisa, either when a girl becomes a bulgaris, or when she gets married, she loses both parnosa and mizonos. The Gemara tried to bring a raya against Rebbe from our Mishnah, and the Gemara explained, ultimately, it's not a contradiction. According to Rebbe, while it's true that a girl who goes ahead and becomes a Bulgaris doesn't go ahead and doesn't lose Mizonos or, or dowry if she gets married as a Kitana. Remember, that was the case of our Mishnah. The mother or the brother marrying her off as a Kitana. If she got married off with a lower amount of a dowry, she could go back and reclaim that higher amount as long as what? She objected at the time of the marriage. That's where he left off. So he says, I should have read another two lines. How can I have This is also true. The in-came cash of the Rebbe had the Rebbe. Because otherwise there would be a contradiction about, uh, from Rebbe on Rebbe. How so? This sign, you know, Rebbe Omer, Habas nizones mina akin noteles isra nisotin If a daughter is supported by her brothers. Now when we say, remember again, daughter supported by her brothers means what? The fathers died. The brothers have inherited the estate. And ultimately, again, the daughter is supported from that estate. So the Gemara says, if so, in a situation like that, she receives one-tenth of the estate for her dowry. Remember again, one-tenth is like the default amount for dowry. So the Gemara says, but one second. Nizonis in, Shaina Nizonis low. This sounds like she only gets dowry, only gets dowry when she gets Mizonos. But once Mizonos ends, i.e. at Bagros, so dowry ends as well. Rabbi, you can see over here, no, no, no. Even in a case of marriage, technically speaking, she would be entitled to dowry as long as what? As long as at the time of the marriage, if she received a lower amount, she lodged a complaint. Good. So listen to this. Ravina said to Rava, Ravada Barava said to us in your name, 
Bagra, Enos Vichalimchos. Nises, Enos Vichalimchos. Bagra, Venises, Vichalimchos. So an interesting statement over here. If a girl becomes a Bulgaris, she does not have to make a machosh. She doesn't have to lodge a complaint in order to retain her dowry. Similarly again, Bagra Venises, if she went ahead and became Bulgaris and got married, she doesn't have to lodge a complaint in order to go ahead and keep her... I'm sorry, Bagra Venises, Tzvichalimchos. However, she became a Bulgaris and got married, she does have to lodge a complaint to keep her dowry. So the Gemara says, Miyama Rabba Haki, did Rabba actually say this? I'll say again, this is what we brought up before. We brought up the case of Yisoma, and the way we resolved that seemingly, that, that, that seeming contradiction is to say one was the case where she lodged a complaint, one was the case where she didn't lodge a complaint, to which the one says, Interesting distinction. One is when is when is one is talking about a case where she is receiving mizonos from her brothers, i.e., from the estate, and one is where she is not receiving mizonos from the estate. Okay, Amrafuna Amrava. So Amrabi, sorry. Parnosa in a So say an interesting an interesting case here, or an interesting statement. So Rafuna says the name of Rabbi. Parnosa. I remember again. Parnosa means dowry. Dowry is not a tnaik suva. It's not part of the Tanaik Suva. So we'll say, so what does that mean that Parnasa is not part of the Tanaik Suva? So remember again, let's take a step back for just a moment. Look at Rashi. It's almost right across. Parnasa, Nidunya, Dowry, Tanaik Suva, Mizonos, Shabbas. So we'll say, remember again, in the, in the realm of Tanaik Suva, there are a number of different things that are Tanaik Suva, right? These are stipulations that are part of the Ksuva. What's, what's the most popular or the, or the, or the most well-known Tanaik Suva? Mizonos, right? Mizonos, that's where a man says, again, that his daughters are going to be supported by him and by his estate. That's a Tanaik Suva. So comes along Rebbe, Rafuna says the name of Rebbe, Parnasa or Nedunya is not one of the Tanaik Suva. So the Gemara says, my inoki Tanaik Suva. What, what is that? What's the meaning of that statement? If you want to say that ultimately what? That it means that parnasa, dowry, is collectible from encumbered properties, right? And ultimately, tonight suva are not collectible from encumbered properties. In other words, I will say, so maybe that's what it's saying. Maybe, maybe dowry, so let's take a step back. Mizonos, you can't collect from a Shubadim. So let's just give you an example of this, right? Ruvain, Ruvain dies. He leaves behind his estate to his kids. Let's say over the course of his, over the course of his lifetime, he sold off properties. So now remember again, tonight Suva is that when a man dies, his daughter is supported from the estate. Let's say now there's no, there's no properties in the estate anymore. The daughter doesn't have the right to claw back those properties that her father sold during his lifetime in order to provide for Mizonos. That's what it means that Mizonos is not, is not collected from Mishubadi. So maybe when we say that ultimately, again, Parnasa, meaning Nodunya, dowry, is not like Tanaik Suva, maybe there is a clawback to dowry. Is that what it means? To which the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, if that's the case, by Kamash Malon, Hamaisim Yom, so we'll say, so the truth is that we actually already know. We'll, 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 dis- we'll discuss this 
we'll discuss this. The halacha lamaisa, there is a clawback for dowry, not a clawback for parnosa. The elo, so that, that, that would be obvious, even though we, we haven't seen that yet, but that'd be obvious. To which the Gemara says, Ve'elo, dilu parnosa gavya namim mitaltali, utnaik suva, utnaik suva, mimakakoi gavya, mitaltali lo gavya. So we'll say, so maybe the other possibility is like this, that ultimately, parnosa, parnosa, um, I'm sorry. Parnasa is collectible even from metaltalin. Not only is dowry collectible from karka, but it's also collectible from metaltalin, right? And on the other hand, tnaik suva is only collectible from karka, not from metaltalin. Maybe that's the distinction to which the Gemara says, Lerebi, mikva gadua. Well, that's not true because according to Rebbe, both Parnasa and both metaltalin, sorry, both Parnasa and both Mazonos are both collectible from Metaltalin as well as Karka. The Sanyo, Echa Nechazim Sheishlan Achrayis, Veecha Nechazim Sheishlan Achrayis, Motsin Lemazon Aisha, Ulubanos, Divrei Rebbe. So ultimately, Rebbe says explicitly in the Braisa, both of us remember again, Nechazim Sheishlan Achrayis means Karka, land, real estate. Nechazim Sheishlan Achrayis is Metaltalin. Both of those items are used to satisfy Motsi and Lamazon Aisha Ulubanos is used ultimately again to support a wife and daughters. Tere Rebbe, Ve'elamai, Parnosa Enoch, Tznaik Suba. So we'll say, so remember again, we're just trying to figure out the meaning of a simple statement, right? Bryson made a statement that Parnosa dowry is not treated like Tznaik Suba. We're just trying to figure out what does that statement mean. Rabbi Gemara says, here's what it means. Lechidisanyo. Haomer, ayozonu b'nosav minachasav in shomono. Listen to this. Let's say a man says, I do not want my daughter to be supported from my property. He makes that statement. I don't want my daughter to be supported from my, from my property. What's the halacha? In shomono. In shomono. We don't listen to him. The Rebbe said, why don't we listen to him? Look at Rashi. Look at Rashi. Three lines are from the bottom. Very simple, because you're also a man has an obligation. Part when, when a man signs a ksuva with his wife, a man doesn't sign a ksuva. When a man enters into a ksuva with his wife, part of the tonight ksuva is that what? He has to support his daughters. He doesn't have a right to say, I'm not doing that. On the other hand, if a man says, if a man says, I'm not giving my daughters a dowry, ultimately, under those circumstances, we listen to him. Look at Rashi. So we'll say, so interestingly, Mark suggests, maybe this is the distinction. If a man says, if a man says, I'm not giving my daughters mizonos, we don't listen to him. But if a man says, I'm not giving my daughters dowry, we listen to him. Top of Samachtes. So Tala la Tala Tala le Rav le Rabbi. So is very interesting. The interesting expression. Tala le Rav le Rabbi bene chiti or bene chati. So Rav, look, if you look at Rashi, it's actually interesting. The expression here is as follows: Shalach lo igeres shlomim v'tala she'ela zu ben hashitim. So I'll say, so sometimes, I guess, I guess the way it worked is, you would write a letter to someone. The primary point of the letter was a correspondence just of like shalom, you know, just, just, to, just to correspond with each other. And in the middle of the letter, what would happen? You would go ahead and put a question. 
So the expression that was used is you put a question in between the lines of the letter. So that's what it means over here. Tala le Rav le Rebbe bene chati. Rav suspended, Rav suspended a question to Rebbe in between the lines of the letter. What was the line? What was the question? So, okay. so therefore, I just want to point out over here. So what we have, we just resolved this last piece was, there's a fundamental distinction between Parnasa and Mizonos. What's the fundamental distinction? Mizonos, Tnaik Suva, Parnasa, not Tnaik Suva. How does that play out? Technically speaking, if a man says, I'm not supporting my daughters, I'm not giving my daughters Mizonos, such a statement is void because that is inherently built into the Ksuva. But technically speaking, if a man says, I'm not giving my daughters, I'm not giving my daughters a, a dowry, technically speaking, we listen to him. Okay, so let's go back there. So now let's go back to Ha'achin Shishibdu Mahu. So here's an interesting case. Let's say, let's say, Sinabo says, now father died, father died, brothers inherit the estate. Part of what now the brothers have an obligation to do from the estate, number one, is to give their sister or sisters mizonos and dowry. What happens if the brothers encumbered the estate? So the Gemara says, Yosef Rabbi Machru Amishkinu. So both says, now watch this. So this was the question that Rav sent to Rebbe. If the brothers went ahead and encumbered the estate, so what, what rights do the daughters now have? So I will say, so now, Rabbi got this question, Rabbi got this question, and Rabbi Chia was sitting there with Rabbi when Rabbi received the question. And he asked him, Amrleh, here's the problem, we'll say, so what does it mean they encumbered the estate? Amrleh, machru amishkenu. Does it mean they sold property of the estate? Or maybe they pledged property. In other words, which, which, what are we talking about? What's the difference whether or not they sold it or they, or they just encumbered it? So to which the Gemara says, here's the difference. That we, this is what we mentioned before. We will extract property, encumbered property, sold property, to satisfy the dowry obligation but we will not go ahead and extract property in order to go ahead and satisfy the Mizonos obligation. So that is a fundamental distinction of Verav. So we'll say, so that's why they weren't sure what was he referring to. So Verav, what, so what was Rav referring to? Verav, imachru kami baile, nichtavle machru. Imashkinu kami baile, nichtavle mishkinu. So now the cash goes back on Rav. Rav, why don't you explicitly state what your question is? In other words, what are you asking? Are you asking about a case where the brothers sold or the brothers encumbered? And whatever you're asking, why don't you explicitly write it in the letter? To which the Gemara will say, interestingly enough, Rav, Tarvayo Kami Bayale. Rav was actually inquiring about both of these things. He was asking both about selling and encumbering the Savar. And here was his issue. He said as follows, Ika Sivna, Le Machru, Hanech, so will say, if Rav said like this, if I just go ahead and write about a case where the brothers sold off the property of the estate, and I just write that question, if the response back is that you could extract property from, from a sale in order to satisfy dowry obligations, ultimately, again, if you could extract it from a sale, you could certainly extract it, so to speak, from an encumbrance. But if they send back to me that we do not extract it from a purchaser, that won't answer my question regarding someone who pledged the property. 
And if I write about the case of a pledged property, so if they tell me you can't extract it, all the more so you can't extract it in the case of a sale. But if they said to me you can't extract it, I would still be left with the question about the case of a sale. Therefore, Therefore, I will say, interestingly enough, Rav intentionally wrote an ambiguous Lashen, which forced them then to answer him on both accounts. So therefore, I will say, what I want to point out what's happened over here is as follows. This is a dramatic halacha. So what the Gemara just said is like this. Father dies, leaves behind the estate. Brothers go ahead and either encumber or sell off property. What the Gemara teaches us is that halacha lamaisa, the daughters have the right to go back and extract properties for the sake of their dowry, for the sake of their dowry, but not for the sake of Mizonos. So essentially, the Mizonos obligation is satisfied with the daughters as long as the, as long as the estate has property, unsold, unencumbered property. But halacha for dowry, they could actually go back and reclaim or claw back properties in order to satisfy the dowry obligation. Quite amazing. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says as follows, Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. And he says, dowry is no different than Mizonos. Just like from Mizonos, you can't take anything back. You can't take anything back. So to Halach HaLamaisa, Halach HaLamaisa for, um, for, for dowry, you can't take anything back as well. Good. So we'll say, Ibailu, Rabbi Yochanan, Okay, so now we have a machlokas, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi. Right, Rabbi says, here's what everyone agrees with. Everyone agrees, Mizonos, if the property is sold or encumbered, daughters can't take it back. Dowry, Rabbi says they can't take it back. Rabbi Yochanan says they can't take it back. So here's the Shaili. Bailu, Rabbi Yochanan, lo shmiyale had the Rabbi, vi shmiyale have a makabale, o dilma shmiyale, velo makabale. So what's now, what's the kasha? Rabbi Yochanan. Did Rabbi Yochanan hear what Rabbi said? In other words, what's the pshat? Did he hear the ruling of Rabbi? And nevertheless, he still has his oppositional position. Or he just never heard the position of Rabbi. But had he heard the position of Rabbi, he certainly would have gotten in line with Rabbi. So that's the shayla. To which the Gemara says, Tashma de'itmar mishemes v'yaniach shnei banos uben. A man dies and he left behind two daughters and a son. The Kadma Harishon of Anatla Isran Chasim, below his Pika Shane Shnia Ligbos, Ad Shame Saban. Shabbos said, This is a really interesting case. Father dies. Father dies. Leaves behind two daughters and a son. Okay. Now, after the death of the father, daughter number one goes ahead and gets married. Shabbos said, Remember again, so what's the default amount for Ksuba? Default amount? Tenth of the estate. So daughter number one goes in and gets married, takes her tenth of the estate. Good. Mazatov, beautiful. Next, brother dies. Brother dies. Now, brother dies before sister number two gets married. I will say, what happens when brother dies? So remember again, if there are no sons, right, who inherits the estate? The girls. So now, sister number one, sister number two, now co-inherit the estate. How do they split the estate? How do sisters split an estate? 50-50, 50-50. Now, now, watch this, watch this. So now, Rabbi Yochanan, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Shnia Vitra. Now, listen to how fascinating the Shaila is. So now, we have a Yerusha question. Do we say, do we say, that maybe sister number two 
should take off, should set aside her tenth that would represent her dowry amount before they divide the estate? Or do we say no? Divide the estate 50-50 and now sister number two, she doesn't get an additional tenth. In other words, she'll just take her dowry portion from her portion of the estate. That's an interesting Yerusha Shaila. So Rabbi Yochanan, Shnia Vitra, the second sister, has been Mavatar. The second sister has essentially yielded her dowry amount. And I will say, when we say she yielded, remember, no one's asking her. What Dalokha says is, listen, you just inherited 50% of the estate. That's it. In other words, take, 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 that, that's your dowry. There's no, there's no tenth allocation anymore. You just inherited 50%. Am Rabbi Hanina, Gidol Mizamru. So I will say, look here, Ash, for just a moment. Vitra, Isra Nechassim, Velo Aminon, Tito, Isra Nechassim, Tchila, so here's what's interesting. It turns out that sister number one will actually have, will actually walk away with more of the estate. Right? Why does sister number one walk away with more of the estate? Because remember, she got her initial tenth of dowry and now she's inheriting 50% of what was left over afterwards. So the Gemara says, says, The truth is, we've said something even bigger than this. We go ahead and we extract from purchasers for Parnasa, for dowry, and not from Mizonos. So Rabbi Hanina says it's interesting because if we're going to say that you can go ahead and claw back property in order to go and pay for dowry, so shouldn't sister number two be able to allocate her tenth first? Before the estate is divided up, Vimisa Nemole Man Amra. So we'll say, and if this is true, ultimately again, Vimisa Nemole Man Amra, Vidimoli Olam, Lo Shmiale. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan never heard the position of Rabbi. Vichi Shmiale Kabil. And maybe when he heard it, ultimately again, he accepted it. Vishaini Hasam Deika Revach Besa. Maybe this case is different, I will say. Why is this case different? Because since at the end of the day, sister number two, is inheriting a large amount of property, it doesn't make sense to say that we should first go ahead and give her her tenth and then go ahead and divide up the estate. Well, if that's the case, I'm leader of Yerma the Ravash, we'll say first wide line, Elmiata, Ashki Chomitsiyam Ba'alma Di'ika Ravach Besa, Hachinami Deloya, Vinale Isri Nechasim. So we'll say, if that's the case, maybe what about the following situation? We'll say, let's say, let's say, sis, let's say similar case. Or, or it doesn't have to be this case of where the brother died, but let's say, again, a girl has not yet gotten her dowry. And let's say the father sold off, or let's say the brother sold off the estate. Now what happens? The daughter finds a finds million dollars in the estate. A bag of money. I will say a bag of money, there's no sea money, it's all hers. So would we say now that she has profit, now that she has money, ultimately, again, she's not entitled to any kind of clawback from the estate? which the Gemara says, no, 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 that's not a fair comparison. Just to point out, he's saying it's different in this case, because in this case that we were just describing, she inherited 50% of her father's estate. So it could be that in that kind of case, where she, remember again, what's the whole point of the dowry? The whole point of the dowry is to give a daughter a chilek in her father's estate. In this case over here, where the brother dies, and sister number two has not yet gotten married. Has she, does she own a significant part of her father's estate? Absolutely. And that could be where Rabbi Yochanan would say that halakha 
there's no need to first allocate a tenth before you go ahead and you give her 50%. The tenth, the dowry is absorbed. The whole thing is a dowry. Bus. I remember again, the entire 50% that she's now inherited now effectively becomes her parnasa. So I will say, I just mentioned over here, how do we pass in? How do we pass in this case? Because I will say, this actually is very interesting. So what do we do in a case where father died, father died, brother inherits the estate, and let's say brother, brother or brothers sold off the entire estate. Sold off the entire estate. So now there are sisters. The sisters now are, are effectively left without what? Number one, they're left without Mizonos and Parnos and Dari. So what do we do? So the Ramah Paskins in Hilchos Ishos, Parak Chaf Halacha Zayin, Ha'achim Shemachru, O Mishkinu Karka Abiyam, Habas Torefes Min Halakuchos, Parnasasa, Kiderech Shetarfin Kol Ba'alei Chovos Min Halakuchos, Kimoshi Yisbar Hilchos Abba. They both say there is a clawback for dowry. There is a clawback for dowry. We're going to see. I will say this: all of these sugyas we're going to do today are all are all linked together. What we're going to effectively see. Remember, what did we just say before? In the first part. First part of today's daf is there's a distinction between. Or we should said that a dowry is not tnaik suva. Is not tnaik suva. So I will say. Remember again. How does that manifest itself? That ultimately, again, so parnasa dari is not tonight suva. That now we gave a number of different examples of it, but one of the examples was that for tonight suva you can't collect from mishubatim. In other words, if the brothers sold off the property of the estate, you have no recourse for tonight suva. So, for example, for mizonos, for mizonos, ultimately, again, if the brothers sold off the estate, the girls can't go back and reclaim sold property. For dowry, they can. For dowry, and that is the halacha l'maisa. So now, here we go. Halacha l'maisa number one: brothers sold off the property of the estate. Daughters are getting married. There's no dowry. There's no dowry. What could they do? They could claw back sold properties. I will say the reason for that is going to become apparent in the next sugya. Where I'm going to give you, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but we'll do it inside afterwards. That's really because when it comes to dowry, the daughters are considered to be like. Creditors, like, and that's and that's what the Rambam says over here. He says, chovos. A daughter is a creditor when it comes to her dowry, but she is not a creditor when it comes to her mizonos. And this goes back to what we said before: mizonos is an entitlement, right? It's an entitlement that falls under the umbrella of tnaik suva. So, on one hand, here's the beauty of it: because it's tnaik suva. It's an entitlement. It's yours, but you're not a creditor, or at least you're not a first. Posi- you're not a first position creditor. Dowry that that makes her like a creditor. A creditor has clawback rights. Entitlement does not. So watch this. This leads into the next sugi. Here we go. Amra Meimar. So Meimar says, "Bas yoreshes havia." A daughter is considered to be like an inheritor. So now we're focusing specifically on. Specifically on the right to the rights to um, your, um, to, to parnasa to dowry. When it comes to her dowry right, she is treated like an inheritor. If you look at Rashi, Yoresh has havya isr nechasim shetiknula b'taras yirusha takinula. The rights to dowry are like inheritance. Armelir of Ashda Meimar, is that true? Is that is that really true? Idu ba le saluka bezuzei hachanami dlo matzil le saluka. I will say so. By the way. 
What's the difference between being a, a, a creditor and an inheritor? So both say, watch this, watch this case. Let's say, let's say, father dies, father dies. So now again, he leaves behind uh, two sons and two daughters. So the sons go over to the daughters and they say, look, here's what we want to do. We want to buy you out. We want to buy you out, right? Okay, for dowry, you're entitled to one-tenth of the estate. So here, here's the cash value of one-tenth of the estate. Can they force that buyout? Shabbosai Meimar says, well, if she is a Yoreshis, if she's an inheritor, you can't force a buyout. Why not? Because an inheritor owns a piece of every part of the estate. Right? That's how Yerusha works. In general, Yerusha, the way it works is when a father dies, all the children who inherit own a little piece of everything. Their ownership interests are intermingled on every piece of the estate until a formal division is affected. So therefore, if the daughter is a Yoreshes, the brothers cannot force a buyout. Similarly again, if they want to give the daughter, brothers want to say, here's a piece of property. This is payment for your parnasa. They cannot force that. Ravashi argues, Ravashi says, no, no, no. A daughter is not an inheritor when it comes to her parnasa, when it comes to her dowry. Rather, what is she? She's a creditor. She's a creditor. The Rebbe said, we're going to see there are pros and cons to both. Va'af Amemar Hadarbe. Rebbe said, even Amemar retracted his position. And Amemar said, you're right. A daughter is really a creditor. She's not an inheritor when it comes to her dowry. I was born standing in front of Amemar. So I'll say, and a girl, a girl came before, a woman came before him. And this girl, this woman, wanted one-tenth of the estate. Her father passed away. She came up with her brothers. She wanted one-tenth of the estate of her father for her dowry. And ultimately, again, he saw, by the way, that this girl was open to a buyout. She was open to a buyout. That had the brothers given her the cash value, of, of the one-tenth of the estate, she would have accepted it. Because ultimately, he heard the brothers saying, you know, if we had the money, we would buy you out. And ultimately, Amemar heard this, and he didn't say anything. Now, I both said, so you remember again, Amemar originally said, originally said that a daughter is an inheritor. So I both say, remember, if you're an inheritor, could the daughter be bought out with the cash value of her one-tenth portion? No, right? Because an inheritor can't be bought out. An inheritor requires a chalukah, requires a division, because an inheritor own, owns a little piece of everything. Now here, Amemar's coming along, and he hears the brother saying to the girl, to the daughter, if we had money, to their sister, if we had money, we would buy you out, and Amemar didn't object to this. The fact that Amemar didn't object to this seems to indicate to us what? That he changed his position. He changed his position and said that, you know what, a payout is permitted. Nebosai, the only way a payout is permitted is how? Is how? If you hold that the sister is a creditor and not an inheritor. Now Nebosai, now that seems to be everyone agrees that a sister is considered to be a creditor when it comes to a dowry portion. So the Gemara says... So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, listen to this, 
Oda'achi. Fascinating. Is she a creditor ultimately again of the father? Or is she a creditor of her brothers? Watch this. So the Gemara says, what, what, is, what is that? So we'll say, so let's, before we go on, I just want to stop because we, we just reached a very important milestone. Again, I ruined it for you a little bit by telling you the Rambam before. But now this is all beginning to kind of coalesce, all beginning to gel a little bit. A girl is considered to be a creditor in the estate when it comes to her dowry portion, right? Which means what? Number one, what does it mean? So first of all, I'll say what it means is, it's not Tanoiksuva. That's number one. That was number one. We had, it's not Tanoiksuva. Because we'll say, Tanoiksuva is saying it's written. So for example, Mizonos. A girl is not considered to be a creditor with her Mizonos. It's an entitlement, but she's not a creditor. So number one, that's what it means when we say that ultimately, again, dowry is not Tanoiksuva. It means that it's not an entitlement. She's a creditor. That's number one. Number two, what does creditor mean? If the brothers sold off all of the property of the estate, what right does the daughter have? Clawback. Clawback. She has the right to go and collect those properties. Why? Why? Because she is a creditor. Now, next piece. Whose creditor is she? Is she the creditor of the brothers? Is she the creditor of the father? So this is fascinating. Listen to this. Listen to this, Rosai. Okay, here we go. Here we go, Abbasai. Here's the difference. If she is a creditor of the father, if she's a creditor of the father, then ultimately, again, a creditor generally is entitled to bainonis, right? Is entitled, is entitled to middle grade power. We'll say, right, in the world of real estate, there's three categories. Idis, bainonis, and ziburis. Idis, highest quality, Bainanis, middle quality, Zipuris, inferior quality. If she's a creditor of the father, then ultimately, again, she is entitled to, she's entitled to Bainanis, middle grade property, and she doesn't have to take a Shavua, right? If, however, again, she is a creditor of the brothers, suppose here's the difference. The, uh, actually, take a look at Rashi. Take a look at Rashi. Let's see it inside. Um... Look at Rashi. Lemigba benas v'shelo b'shelo. Rashi says, "I balas chov da abba havi government as ziburis." I'm sorry, I said it wrong. If she's a creditor of the father, sorry, listen to this. If she's a creditor of the father, then ultimately again, she only collects from ziburis, and she only collects with a shvua. Shelo natla min nechasim alal l'klom. The kaimelon in yifam nixei sonim. Chazar will say, if she's a creditor of the father, so remember again, the father is dead. The father is dead. So if she's a creditor of the father then essentially what's happening, she's collecting from Nechsei Yisomim, right? Property of Yisomim. And I will say, there's a Takana. Whenever you're collecting from Nechsei Yisomim, number one, number one, you only get Ziburis, inferior grade. Number two, you can only collect with Ishvua. However, the Gemara says, If she's a creditor of the brothers, of the brothers, then I will say, this is a debt they owe her, then that's a regular debt. Then she gets to collect from, from Benonis and ultimately without a Shavua. So both say, that's a pretty big nafkamino. So now we've established she's a creditor. If she's a creditor of the father, then this is a case of Nechsei Somim. If it's Nechsei Somim, then it's Ziburis with a Shavua. But both say, interestingly enough, if she's a creditor of the brothers, here's what's interesting, that's not called Nechsei Somim, even though the brothers are the orphans. Right, but nevertheless, that's not called Nechsei Yisomim because now they're the owners of the estate. So if it's a debt owed by the brothers, then what? It's Benonis without a Shavua. 
pretty incredible. So the Gemara says, let's not love And I will say, for her, by the way, major nafkamina. For her, ultimately, again, it will determine what type of property she gets and the manner in which she's able to obtain it. So my, Satashma, Ravina ultimately went ahead and collected property for the, do- for the dowry of the daughter of Ravashi from Mar, the son of Ravashi, and he collected for her Benonis property and without a Shua, which Bosa tells us she is the creditor of who? Creditor of who? Of the son. Of the son. Right, the credit, or I should say, of the brothers. That's really what I should call it, of the brothers. Right, she's credit of the brothers. Ultimately, and ultimately, again, for Dravashi with Siburis of the Shvua. So I'll say, so if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, it's, it's that same Rashi Lamigba, Ravashi Mace, or Mace Rav Sama Benobachayev. Now I will say, this is actually a double edged case. This was Ravashi died, and Rav Sama's son also died. That's why it becomes a little bit more complicated. So I will say, ultimately, again, there was just two levels to this. There were two levels to this. <coughs> two levels. But Lamaisa, Lamaisa, what you see from this case over here, is that Halacha Lamaisa, we consider the girl to be a creditor of her, the sisters to be a creditor of her brothers, and therefore she's able to go ahead and collect from Benonis without the Shavua. So, Shalach Leirab Nechem Yebrei Rav Yosef L'Rabba Barafuna Zuta Minarda Ki Asya Ha Isesolakamach When this girl, when this woman comes before you, Agba Isri Nechasim Go ahead and collect for her one-tenth of the estate. In other words, give her her dowry from one-tenth of the estate. Afilu Me'itztarbula Me'itztarubla even from the Itzterublo. Now we'll say, what's Itzterublo? Look at Rashi, right across from Rashi. Moshev Amas Rechayim Kimoshin Rekakai Chashev. We'll say Itzterublo is the stand or the base of the mill. Now the base of the mill, of the mill ultimately is considered to be Karka because it sits, it's attached to the ground. So go ahead and give her a tenth of the estate, even from the Itzterublo. Amr Rashi, Ki Abinu Rekana, Hab Magbinu Afilu Me'amlo Debesi. Ultimately, again, when, when, when we would collect the Yisrael Chassim, even from, it's actually very interesting, even from rents of a home. Let's say they owned, they owned rent, uh, rent yielding property. We would even collect the dowry from the rents of the home. What they're saying is like this, that since rent, come from, rent comes from Karka, it has the status of Karka as well. Interesting. So we'll say, okay, so now another story. Another story. Um, so therefore, I will say, fine. So I just want to point out the way the Rambam Paskins, so okay, so here's what we've established. But I'll say, this is one of these incredible Gemaras, where even though I know we're going quickly, there's a lot of information here, each and every one of these pieces is building on the next. So here's what we've established. The girl is a creditor when it comes to her nedunya, when it comes to her dowry. Therefore, again, it's not tonight suva. And therefore, what? Even if the brothers went ahead and sold off all the property, what could she do? What could she do? Claw it back. Now, I will say, what about this last piece resolution here? Whose creditor is she? Is she the father's creditor or is she the brother's creditor? What's the nafkamino? If she is the father's creditor, then what? Then what? How does she collect? How does she collect? Shvua and Ziburis. Because again, that's called Nikhsei Yisomim. If she is the brother's creditor, how does she collect? Benonis Shalobashvua. Says the Rambam. Here we go. Say all, all the same. Perek Chaf 
Hilchos Ishos, Halachavad, Habas, Beiser Zek, Kebalas, Chov, Shal Achinhi. She is a creditor of the brothers. Creditor of the brothers. Therefore, the Fichach, Noteles, Oso, Minha, Benonis, Shalobishvua. Therefore, Halachalamaisa, Halachalamaisa, she goes ahead and she collects from the Benonis without a Shavua. And I both say, this was the case there. If the brothers die, here's just one more ripple, which we're just not going to get into. This, this, was the, this was the piece that I just skipped over kind of quickly. If the brothers die, and then the brothers' children inherit the estate, then if the daughter wants to go ahead and collect her dowry, who is she collecting her dowry from? Right? Her nephews. Then that's Nixay Yisomim. And what is, how is she going to collect it? Ziburis and Shavuah. Okay, I'm going to give you a break on that one, right? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to leave that one on the side for now, right? Because that, that, that just kind of breaks the train of thought a little bit. But that, that's what the Gemara brought up in that last case over there. Fine. So I'm going to say, let's go right there. Let's go right. Let's, let's kind of keep, keep our train of thought. Here we go. Great case. Shalach lay Rav Anan Rafuna. Listen to this, what I'll say. Rav Anan sent a letter to Rafuna. Here's how it went. Huna Huna Chavrin. Huna Huna, my friend. Shalom, shalom aleichem. Ki asya When a certain woman comes before you, agba Make sure to go ahead and give her one tenth of the estate, ultimately for her dowry. Okay, fine. Seems seems pretty straightforward. So I say, so now watch this. Rav So Rav was sitting by Rav Huna. So we're sitting by Rav Huna. And what happened? <coughs> Rav Huna got upset. Ravuna got upset. Ravuna, why was Ravuna upset? Ravuna was taken aback about the way that Rav Anan addressed him. Right? Ravuna was, was a more senior person. And Rav Anan, he felt, took liberties. Huna, huna, charen, huna, huna, my friend. So Ravuna was very taken aback. He says to Rav Sheshes, So Amrlei, zil emolei. So, so listen to this, Rosai. So Ravuna says to Rav Sheshes, Go and give the following message to Ravuna. Right? I'm sorry, to Rav Anan. And you better deliver the message exactly as I'm saying it. And if you don't say it the way that I'm giving it over to you, I'm, I'm excommunicating you. Anan, Anan. Give him back the following message. Anan, Anan. Right? He refers to him the same, same way that Rabbi Anan referred to him. Anan, Anan. Tell me, should we give her, should we give her the, should we give her the property from from, should we, I'm sorry, should we give her the, the, the dowry from Karka, from Metaltalin? Uman Yosef Be Marzicha. And who sits, Be Marzicha Beresha, who sits at the head of the Marzicha? Azur Rav Sheshes, the Kamei Drabanan. So Rav Sheshes comes, he delivers the message to Rabbanan. Amr Lei Mar, Mar Rabba Vravuna Rabba. Sorry, so Amr Lei Mar Rabba Vravuna Rabbe de Rabba. So ultimately, again, so I will say, Rav Sheshes was a little bit apologetic because Rav Sheshes felt very, very, he, that it was inappropriate for him to deliver a message like this. So he says, so he says, so he comes before Rav Anan, my Rabbi, you are, you are my Rabbi, Rav Huna Rabbi, and Rav Huna is your Rabbi, Rav Huna is your Rabbi. So he was saying, Rav Huna is a little bit upset about the way that you addressed him. Right? And the only reason I'm saying your name, Anan, Anan, is because this is how Rav Huna said, if I don't, 
If I don't, he's going to excommunicate me. Vilav dishamute, and were it not for the fact that he was going to go ahead and excommunicate me, lo anan anan I would never have addressed the question to you like this, anan anan from karka from Metalkalin. Uman Okay, so Amr Amr Le Rav Anan the Kamid Ramoka. So therefore both say, so here's what's interesting. So we've got a lot of machlokis and no resolution, right? So again, remember, so, so now we have this little bit of this feud between Rav Sheshis and Rav Anan. So listen to this. Amr Le Rav Anan the Kamid Ramokva. So I was like, get ready for this. So what does Rav Anan do? He goes to he goes to Marukva. He says to Marukva, Amr Le, Chazimar Hechi Shalakli Rafuna Anan Anan. Do you see the way Rafuna is talking to me? He calls me Anan Anan. Right? He calls you Anan Anan. So the Gemara says, so he calls you Anan Anan. Va'od marzicha de shalachli lo yedanamayni. And furthermore, he asks you this question about who sits at the head of the marzicha. What's a marzicha? So I'll say, before we go on, I just want to point out something absolutely amazing. You see what's happening over here? See what's happening over here? Rav Anan writes a letter to Rafuna. He says, Huna Huna Chavrin, Huna Huna, my friend. Rafuna gets it, gets the question, gets, gets the letter, and what does he do? He brings in Rav Sheshas. So Rav Sheshas, can you believe, can you believe the way Ravanan spoke to me? Sends him back with this whole message. What happens? So Ravanan gets the message back. Anan, 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 Anan. He goes to Mar Ukva. He goes to Mar Ukva. Can you believe how Huna is, Rav Huna is speaking about me? We'll say, what's incredible? So now what happens? Rafuna's angry. Mar right, Rav Sheshis is angry. I'm sorry. Rafuna's um, Rav angry. Rav. I'm sorry. Ravanan's angry, right? They're both offended. And I both say, so Rafuna's speaking to Rav Sheshis. Ravanan's speaking to Mar Ukva. What's the only thing missing from this? Right? They're not talking to each other. See, I both say, that's the most hostile in Gemara's like this. That sometimes, like, there's conflict. There's conflict, right? I'm angry at Ruvain, Ruvain's angry at me. So what happens? I'm going to speak about this situation to everyone. To everyone. Ruvain's going to speak about this situation to everyone. Only one little thing missing. I never go to Ruvain, and Ruvain never comes here. I'll say, So what ends up happening? So what ends up happening? I've got my camp riling them up against Ruvain. Ruvain gets his camp riling them up against me. And if, again, Ruvain, you're angry at me? You're angry at me? Come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. Don't, right? don't be passive aggressive. Don't do this. Don't do that. Just, just, if, there, if there's a problem and you're angry, just come and talk to me. And I will say, but when we don't talk to each other, for some reason, it's just a fascinating human dynamic. I'm angry. I'm upset. You did something. I will do everything except confront, right? Everything except talk to the person I'm angry at, and instead this whole dynamic builds up. And once you know what happens, because we've all been involved in dynamics like this, ultimately the dynamic becomes so colossal that people just perpetuate this. It just, it just remains like this. So people remain distant and angry at each other for prolonged amounts of time, and ultimately it just stays like that. When, when so tragically could have just been dealt with had people just have, if you're angry, so confront the person you're angry with. Say, Plony, I'm angry with you. Okay. <laughs> We've all had conversations like that. Not pleasant. But the mice, okay, you're angry. Tell me why. Let's see if we can resolve it. Maybe we can, maybe we can't. 
but at least we could acknowledge, we could, at least we could deal with it with each other. So incredible. So now Ravanan is taking this to, Ravanan is taking this to Bar Okva. So Amrlei, 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 easy gufa uvda hechi hava. So Bar Okva said, okay, let's take a deep breath. Why don't you tell me what happened, right? Ravanan, let's start from the top. Let's start from the top, right? How did all this go down? So Amrlei, hachi bahachi hava maisa. So he said to him again, Here, here's how everything unfolded. Here's how everything unfolded. Hello said, this is why in life you have to have good friends. Because what does Mar Ukva say to Ravanan? Ravanan, a guy who doesn't know what a Marzicha is, you should not be calling Rafuna by his first name. Rafuna is not your buddy. Right? If you don't know what a Marzicha is, because I also remember again, in the letter, or it wasn't a letter, it was a message back to Rav Anan with Rav Sheshes, one of the, and I will say, this was Rav Huna Shtach. Rav Huna says back, says Rav back to Rav Anan, by the way, who sits at the head of the Marzicha? So I will say, you have to imagine the scene. So Rav Anan walks into my Ukva, and he's all up in arms, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Huna, Huna says to me, calls me Anan Anan. And then he has the chuspa to ask me, who sits at the head of the Marzicha? By the way, what's the Marzicha? What's the Marzicha? Rav says, listen buddy, that's not a direct quote. If you don't know what a marzicha is, you probably shouldn't be calling Rav Huna by his first name. I was saying, that's a chaver. That's a chaver. So Mar Ukva was a friend, and what does he do? He calls out Rav Anan. You made the mistake. You should not be calling Rav Huna. Huna, Huna, my buddy. Right? Huna, Huna, my chaver. Huna is not your chaver. Right? Huna is one of the, Rav Huna is one of the Gdolei Adon. And obviously he's a greater Chacham than you are. Don't speak to him in familiar ways. Right? You, you made a mistake here. So by the way, the Gemara says, okay, got it. My Marzicha. Says <laughs> the Gemara. What is a Marzicha? Right? So what, what is that? So the Gemara says, Marzicha is an Avel. Marzicha is a mourner. So listen to this. Hashem al beis marzach. Do not come to the house of mourning. So I'm Rabbi Avo. So we'll say, so what, what, it, what does it mean? So, so okay, so we'll say, so, so let's take a step back. Okay, so now we hopefully diffuse the situation. We, we'll say, you know, what's, what's, miss, what's missing from this exchange? What's missing? What's missing? What happened next? What happened next? Right, so we'll say, so did Ravanan go back? Did Ravanan not go back? Was Rafunan Makabla? Who knows? Who knows? Which I was saying is the way so many stories of conflict end without resolution. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We all have pockets of conflict in life. So it doesn't have to without resolution. But so many times in life, it does end with it. It runs out resolution and just, it lingers. It lingers. So did they reconcile? Did they not reconcile? The Gemara moves on. I'm Rabbi Avo. Menayim Avo Shamei Seberosh. How do I know that the Avo sits at the head of the table? And I will say, when, the, when, 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 the, when people come to be Menachim Avel, right, that the Avel sits at the head. How do we know that? Shneemar. So we'll say, sounds like others are comforting. Which literally means, ultimately, again, excessive mourning is coming their way. The one who is mar ezach. We'll say mar means bitter, zach means detached ultimately becomes the head. So that just means, by the way, that when an Avel is being comforted, 
right? When people come to visit the Avel, the Avel sits at the head, which is an interesting dynamic by itself. Here the Avel is suffering, but yet he is given a prominent place among those who come to comfort him. Okay? Amar Rava, the boss of Rava says, Hilchasa, mimikar koi, velo mimitaltali, bein lemezone, bein leksuba, bein leparnas. And the boss of Rava says, the halakha lemaisa is, so now we're looping back. So we'll say, so what we've established is that we got a dowry, the girl is a, the, the, the girl is a creditor, it's not Tanoi Suva. she only collects some karka, and ultimately she is a creditor of the brothers. The Gemara just ends off by saying, by the way, it's not just for dowry, ultimately again, it's Mizonos, Ksuva, and dowry, all of these items are only collected from, only collected from karka, not collected from Metalclin. Beautiful. An interesting case. Let's say a man goes ahead and gives into the hands of a Shaliach. So say this is a case. If you look at Rashi, Hamashli Mos Labito, Masar Mos Biat Shlish Lutzarak Pito Liknos Sada Onedunyan Chishitinasai. So Bosei, Ruvain, Ruvain gives over money in the hands of a Shaliach to go ahead and buy, purchase a field or give dowry to his daughter. When his daughter gets married, when his daughter gets married, so according to Rashi, this is a case, right? So the father gives over gives over money in the hands of a shaliach. So it says the it says the Mishnah, he marries Neman Bali Alai. So we'll say, so now what happened? She says, you know what? Give the money to my. She gets married, so she says, give the money to my husband. I trust my husband to take care of the money for me to purchase what needs to be purchased. Do whatever has to. So what's talacha? Yasashlish mashashlish of the very mayor. Mayor says still. The, 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 the shaliach should not do that. Rather, the shaliach was entrusted with a particular agency and he should execute the agency as tasked. He should purchase the property on behalf of the girl, give it to the girl as her dowry, right, as her parnasa, and not give it over to the hands of the husband. And Yosef, Yosef says, I don't understand. So therefore, I will say, Rabbi Yosef says, just, just give the husband the money. Because anyway, what's going to happen? She gets, right, the shaliach purchases the field, gives her the field. She could turn around and what? Yeah. Sell the field and give her husband the money anyway. So in other words, what she wants to happen is going to happen regardless. So therefore, just give her husband the money in accordance with her wishes. So when is this true? This is true with an adult, with a gedola. So we'll say, so even in regard to Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, when do we listen to the girl? to ultimately give it over to her husband. That's only in a situation where Allah says she's an adult. But if she is a kitana, then ultimately we keep the money in the hands of the shaliach because the actions of a kitana are halachically not binding. So we'll stop over here with the Gemara. We'll pick up with this Gemara tomorrow. Shkoyach.